Apex friends and neighbors. This is the Peak City Podcast. I'm Shane Reese, and as always, we welcome anyone who lives in or outside of Apex. We're glad to have you. We're proud to have the support of the Apex Downtown Business Association. You can learn more about the ADBA by visiting apexdowntown.com. And today we'll hear from someone just outside of downtown in Beaver Creek, Apex. He's Mike Markham of the famous Big Mike's Barbecue Food Truck, also Big Mike's Brew and Q of Cary, and now Big Mike's Brew and Q of Apex. Mike, thanks for stopping by. Thanks. Good to be here. Let's start with the food truck. How'd you get started? What gave you the confidence to say, you know, I'm going to start making barbecue? You know, I mean, we live in pork barbecue country. I mean, pork is kind of the holy grail of North Carolina cooking. So that sets, you know, a high bar of expectation. That's like opening a cheesesteak stand in Philadelphia. You're going to have discerning customers who know the difference between what's good and what's exceptional. So, I mean, that's a high bar. How'd you get started? Uh, well, first of all, being barbecue country in North Carolina, there's not a lot of barbecue places around, which you go to other cities that have a lot of barbecue. Every corner has a barbecue place. And so I started cooking it at home a lot because I couldn't find any good places around here to eat. And so cooking at home turned into cooking for friends, cooking for tailgates, doing stuff at our church. And so I started doing some fundraising, end up finding a smoker that kind of led me into that. Wow, I could go a little bit bigger and it's not really going to cost me much more to get into that. And so started doing that. And, um, I was in sales at the time and had a interview and was wanting to get into food. I had the, the food buzz my whole life and I was trying to basically make enough money in a career to save it up a lot to be able to open a restaurant and plan to lose it all. Basically was the <laughs> that was the initial plan. And uh, we ended up diving into that hey career change moment. I had our first child, you know, wife's working a lot, she's a CPA. I'm traveling a lot. And so it had to come into the all right, where's the where's the break even point of like us just wanting to like have like a good, healthy home environment in the mix of having successful careers. And so I put career on the back burner to basically just start to follow my dream. And so um, I was going to go into food sales and learn about the food industry until our kids got older and then thought I could take off the restaurant. And the guy that I interviewed with basically taught me, and just, don't delay it, just follow your dream, do it now. Like if, if you're just waiting and waiting and waiting, you're never going to be happy until you follow your dream. And so I came home from the interview and told the wife, like, hey, this is now's the time, not 10 years from now to open a restaurant. I'm going to be older and the kids are going to be older. And it's not going to be, you know, I'm not going to have the energy then. So just went ahead and dove in. And so she was ready to divorce me the moment I told her that because she <laughs> thought it was going to be an easier lifestyle. But, um, you know, after a day of thinking about it, this is just was, hey, I'm opening a restaurant. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um, just made a few phone calls to some friends. And turns out the barbecue food truck we started with came from a guy in Clayton that actually built the trailer that we now we still pull behind. Uh, we do have a new trailer coming this spring. We'll have it here. Um, but the original, we're still going to keep that one, keep it in commission and use it for the smaller events. The new one will be for big stuff. But we have um, the guy that built the original barn that we pulled behind he started trying to do it on his own he lost his job was trying to make some money to build a feed his family he was very unsuccessful in clayton and ended up getting a new job actually a very very good job and so he had the the food truck that was just sitting in his backyard and so when i reached out to him through a connection with a friend that said hey we're we're looking at maybe doing a food truck he had me come see it first and then he brought it to my house and just dropped it off there was no contract anything like that. he's like hey, i'm gonna bring it see if you like it or not if not bring it back just don't tear it up it was where do you right. find that in this day and age right. so um, took us about six months to get permitted through Wake County, which that's a whole, that could be a whole nother podcast as far as the, the food truck life in Wake County. But I've, um, actually had lots and lots of struggles getting it to that point. But once we got it open, it was about two years of just straight brutality of losses. And it was, it was just chaos. Cause it would be a, you know, we try to do the office parks during the week and do those for lunch. And then, uh, weekends would be, you know, weekends kind of started on Thursday nights. We would do Thursday nights at breweries or Thursday nights different events and then friday lunch friday dinner saturday lunch saturday dinner sometimes we would do three events on saturdays try to take sundays off but if it was a opportunity to go make money at that time we would take them and so it was about two years of doing that until we finally you know we made it we made it after about a year and a half and we turned a little bit of profit 
I think it was a year and a half, right at the year mark. And uh, we actually had a weekend where there was a there was a hurricane coming through, and we went big because we had some big festivals going on. It was a big festival in Fuquay, and we had like three caterings that same day, and end up the weather came through, end up losing everything we made over like the first year, like the little bit of money we were able to save. Yeah. And so tried to hang it up after that point, but then phone started ringing off the hook for stuff in the spring. By the time I decided that like I'm not going to not do this, I was still going to keep the truck and do it maybe part time. I have to get a job to just stop losing so much money. Yeah. Um, and then we just kind of stuck with it, hung in there, and then after five years now we're you know just opened the second restaurant and plans for some new stuff is kind of the works as well to go in behind that so it's pretty exciting but the uh it all started with just a guy in clayton named buddy that had a red barn that he built himself and wasn't using it and so we took advantage of that and it just turned into something great because the, the uniqueness of the barn that we pull behind the the truck is just if i see that i'm like that looks like that should be good barbecue that's right and so it was uh i could not bring my a game and so we had to make good product that came out of it and so for me i just uh a lot, a lot of experimentation, had to burn a lot of food or tear up a lot of food and a lot of tough barbecue was sold to friends and family to make sure that we were <laughs> able to just at least move the product we had. But it was an interesting start, but definitely now feeling a little bit of the fruits of the labor after, you know, it took three or four years we actually started seeing any type of success glimpses. But Yeah. So you say that you had, uh, you know, a passion for this and yet at the same time, you said that uh, you didn't choose barbecue, barbecue chose you. Talk a little bit about that. Well, me, it's any kind of, I love any kind of food. And so barbecue was just the one thing I was doing at the time. I didn't know what kind of food I wanted to do initially, but then it was like, I'm just cooking so much barbecue and I love it so much that that's the natural progression. If I'm going to go into food, it had to be there. I always cook great Italian at home. And like, I'm not, I'm from North Carolina, like born and raised. We don't know really where my mom's side of the family. We don't know what their heritage is. The Mississippi, like, I don't know what, we always said we were country. And uh, Irish Catholic was like my background, my family's right, background. Right. We didn't really know what my mom's side of the family was, but it was um, the roots from barbecue to me was um, it never even like crossed my mind until actually I, I had somebody interview me for a um, for a magazine. And it, at that moment, I realized like where the barbecue thing stuck at me the most. And it was ever since I was a little kid, my grandfather always got for Christmas Eve. It was one of my greatest memories. It was like how chaotic our lives were. Christmas Eve, we always had, you know, everybody always had that one special moment. Ours was Christmas Eve every year. And my grandfather did all the cooking. It was kind of the person that got me into cooking when I was young. You know, I used to watch him in the kitchen, see him all the time. But on Christmas Eve, he would get a whole shoulder from Gary's Barbecue in China Grove. And that's what we would eat. He would make his own sauce, but he would go buy the whole shoulder there. And that was what we would do every year for Christmas Eve. And so that was our special family memory. And so for me, as I'm getting older, I'm seeing like that was one of my greatest memories every single year. And I was like, oh, and I think that's why there was rooted barbecue into me. But um, we moved to Apex ten almost 10 years ago. I think it was. It was 2008, right before I got married, nine years ago. Uh, we live in Scotts Mill, which is right off of Apex Barbecue Road. Right. And the first day I'm noticing, I'm like, there's an Apex Barbecue Road. There's no Apex Barbecue restaurant. Maybe there's something that's meant to be later on down the road. So this was it's like a sign. This was four years <laughs> ahead of my time. And I went ahead and bought the website and just had it. And I sat on it for years just thinking like, hey, I might be able to use this one day. I was thinking like, hey, I'll do some fundraising and do some things with barbecue. And eventually something might happen. And so that was where... Turns out barbecue food truck and I'm like, I already had the website for four years. It's kind of crazy that I wasn't even thinking about it at that time because owning a restaurant is very expensive, very time consuming. Right. I never thought I would be doing it at this point. I thought it'd be something where I'd have to have, you know, a huge amount of assets one day to be able to open a restaurant. And I, I didn't really want to be a chef and work in a restaurant. I wanted to own the restaurant. And so I've learned that it's not so bad working in them, but it's it's hard work doing, you know, doing it all yourself. And so for me, like our teams, I'm blessed with like an amazing team of people that work for me that make it. You know, I don't say easy. It looks easy to a lot of people on the outside. It's definitely not easy. We've had some interesting days the past few days, but that's part of it is making it look easy. I do a good job selling of like, hey, there's Mike. You know, he's hanging out with his kids. He's making it all look. You know, anybody right. can do a barbecue, and I'm like, wow, it's not like that. It's not that easy. But there's a 
a lot of late nights, a lot of really, really yeah. early mornings. But other than that, you know, our crew keeps us together and the, I had no restaurant experience really leading into the business. And so the guys that work for me have many, many years of experience. I kind of let them show me how to do it. Like either, almost all of them are my recipes, but I let them show me how to make them. Yeah. It's basically the way. So you give them a recipe, then they'll show me how to make it and produce it on a nice, nice level. So, so let's, we're going to get back to those recipes because I'm really interested to hear about that. And I'm sure our listeners are too as well. But let's talk a little bit about your business strategy, because obviously on this podcast, we're talking a lot about entrepreneurship and, and how you know people fulfill their dreams and goals. We had uh, Mark Bocelli from Common Grounds Coffee and Dessert Shop right here on Salem Street a couple podcasts ago. He said he adopted a, a just wing it business strategy. Now, what about you? You're an NC State grad. You studied business management, is my understanding. Ag business management. Ag business management. Which okay. turned well, out to work in my favor. Yeah. Some of the stuff I was learning, I'm dealing with on a first-hand basis with working with our local farmers and suppliers now. So it's nice. pretty, pretty interesting. Still, once again, barbecue chose me. I didn't choose it. I was in zoology at NC State. Department of Ag is like the head department for zoology. And yeah. I was already in there. And so for me to transfer to the business school would have been another two years of graduate versus getting an ag business degree. Because for me, I, I was always planning on being self-employed or some type of contract worker, yeah. you know, working for myself pretty much. But um, was that education kind of a, a foundation for you as you uh, grew your business? Yeah, I was just getting a degree. Okay. <laughs> there was no, there was no plan in college. It was see how long I could prolong getting out of school and see yeah. how long I could hang in there and yeah. basically just get by. But no, it was, um, I always kind of knew, I always had that. I was kind of like a serial entrepreneur. So it's an instinct. So for me, like ever since I was like, I used to get in trouble at school for selling bubble gum and pencils to kids. And like, I would basically go to the store and turn $10 into $50. That was funny. Like my earliest memories are getting in trouble in the principal's office for selling gum. And I, I wasn't even chewing it. I would just sell it. They're like, right. well, you're not allowed to chew it. We don't have any rules for not selling it. And so I'd always get in trouble. But my, also my parents were kind of like, well, like, yeah, you're learning. So I mean, me right. in like first, second, third grade doing that, it's just weird how that was always in me. So for me in college, I knew, always knew I was going to be self-employed. I was a DJ in college. So DJing in bars and staying out late at night and getting paid to basically go do what I was going to do anyway was kind of a start. And then you know, I went into finance and worked for um, a financial advisor firm for, well, basically I did that for seven years right out of school. Because for me, I, the one thing I didn't know was how to manage money and learn money. And so I was like, what better way to, to yeah. learn it for myself personally than to go into that career and I had to start somewhere. So I knew it was, it was still sales. I mean, everything I've done my whole life, even doing the barbecue thing, still sales. But for me, it's a, um, it was a great stepping stone to get through those first couple of years of my career because I came out of college and my family didn't have any money. There was not, there was no like easy walk into it. It was basically sitting on a phone in a cubicle four days a week making phone calls and trying to set meetings with people but that was it was good toughening my skin up learned, yeah i learned how to say no yeah i learned how to take no on a very regular basis good training good like good start in my professional yeah. career and then you know i definitely i wouldn't have done it any different but um i probably i probably didn't have any business running a restaurant until i started to actually learn about you know for me there was so much knowledge i gained from that that i'm able to turn in now when i'm dealing with landlords mm -hmm. and dealing with looking at different pieces of property and things like that so. well let's i'm actually really excited to get to your recipes but first let's lay out a couple things now we've talked about, you know, your business strategy. Why did you choose Apex? And then, you know, you've got three businesses now. You're married. You've got two young kids. You're a family. I mean, how do you do it all? So, you know, start with, you know, why you chose Apex and then, and then how do you make it all happen? Apex was, um, a lot of our friends started to move out of here after college. So we, you know, most of our friends that we still hang out with today were NC State folks or a lot of the girls went to Meredith or Peace, but we had a, um, you know, pretty tight network of friends. We still do the same friends for tailgates at NC State games. The, that group of people had moved out to Apex initially, and we picked on them when we were still, you know, without kids and not married right. yet. You know, we were like, oh, y'all are moving out. But then, like, <laughs> you know, the peak of good living kept coming up. And so we started looking about a family. You know, you couldn't beat what Apex has to offer, man. It's really, it's a great town. Um, 
you know, we still, we had a little bit of, you know, bitter chip on our shoulder than when we tried to open our restaurant and we couldn't get anything worked out in Apex and we had to go to Cary first, but my heart was always kind of, yeah. hey, this is my hometown. I want to do, I want to do my, my work. I want to kind of be able to give back to my own community and through basically all the hard work we put in, there's a lot of side effects of that where you can hire like right now like so many like neighbors kids or friends yeah. kids and people that you just know in the community and so that's really a why i kind of led into apex but um when we chose it we just the schools the property value like everything seemed to be just right if we always kind of wanted to have that you know raise that family have those two or three kids and you know live in that nice community and so we live in scottsville that's like it's all kids it's amazing like it's yeah. all kids but that was um you, you asked about the business strategy it was just mostly insanity like there's no laid out plan other than like I know how many sandwiches I got to sell to be able to pay for, you know, pay for the truck, pay for the trailer, pay for the, uh, paying for insurance and paying for employees. And so every week it was, a you know, here's how many sandwiches we got to sell to get through it. And my wife, she hates it because anytime we basically get into a, any type of financial decisions, uh, the most recent one was, you know, she wanted a different car. And so whenever you see the car payments, I always relate everything to barbecue sandwiches. And so she gets a little irritated when <laughs> number, how many barbecue sandwiches that takes to be able to afford that car payment. But, um, the business track, I mean, it was just a lot of insanity and just our goal is in about, you know, hopefully in the five-year plan, we're going to have a farm and some land where we can actually do weddings and events. We'll be able to have a smokehouse there. So that was our goal from the beginning was I want to have a farm where people can come get married, not necessarily live on the farm now, maybe later on. Um, right now, we, you know, we got young kids. It's great being in, like, we live in a neighborhood. There's a school right yeah. across the street. We don't doing that, but maybe one day, like, turn it into a working farm and the family would, you know, be there with us or something that. Yeah, I see that as something we can carry on to yeah. next generation, two generations, three generations, where you actually have a farm that produces revenue through doing events, doing weddings, being able to sell barbecue. And then we want to be able to grow what, a lot of what we sell. And we probably can't grow everything we that we sell, but have a good portion of some of the stuff that we do comes from it. So, Well, let's talk a little bit about your barbecue um, and some of these recipes. You know, a lot of these are, are locally sourced, uh, whether it's your pasture-raised pulled pork, your locally sourced chicken barbecue. You've got everything from, uh, you know, sides that like smoked potato salad, uh, blue cheese, coleslaw. You talked earlier about uh, your grandfather. And uh, are these family recipes? Is this a product of, of a lot of that labor that you talked about earlier in the trial and error? How does that work? How do you develop your recipes? Um, it's a fat kid that likes to eat, basically. <laughs> and a disclaimer on the air, I'll apologize to you if you have a cardiologist, because no, no. if you eat the potato salad every day, it's probably not the best thing for your heart. But amazing amazing recipe if you haven't had the potato salad you have to try the potato salad but it's yes. a, it's one it's of those awesome. like it's one of those kind of accidental finds when you know a lot of the stuff on our menu is just through trial and error and experimentation i don't have any like base roots other than you know i used to watch a lot of alton brown and like his show good eats was used to love that so a lot of my recipes at home are based off of stuff that i learned from watching him mm -hmm. so like my barbecue recipe like the rub started with him now we've, we've modified you know 200 times to get the right rub recipe but um perfect example is like the blue cheese coleslaw yeah. like I was starting a barbecue business. I hated coleslaw. A lot of the coleslaw around here is like soupy and like not not right. crisp like cabbage. So I'm like, all right, I got to find a way to eat coleslaw. So what I started doing was I would always only use my own fresh like slaw. So I would make it myself and chop it myself because I'm like, at least I don't mind like the crunchy texture when it doesn't get soupy. I don't mind that. And for me to be able to, you know, get it down, I had to put enough blue cheese in it where I would, wouldn't taste the coleslaw, I thought. But then turns out I didn't mind good fresh coleslaw. So if you ever get coleslaw in one of our restaurants and it's not, it doesn't feel fresh, then that's not how it's supposed to be. Because of me, like good crisp cabbage, we shred it every single day. We do our yeah. own carrots. Like we try to make sure that, you know, that's the one part of me. Like I cannot stand getting like a soggy, a soggy coleslaw. So the blue cheese came into that one. Like a lot of the recipes were just, man, we were bored in the wintertime in the food truck. And a lot of these things were just born from that. 
hey, boredom, like, what can we do? Something fun, like our redneck nachos. I was about to bring that it's up. It's one of our like top selling appetizers, and it was always one of our top sellers on the food truck. And that was, um, we had a church event over a weekend, and we did potato chips and like the variety pack of chips for like, you know, we, I think we did hot dogs and chips to go with the barbecue for a big event. And we ended up with like two cases of Fritos, little baggies left. I'm like, what can I do with all these Fritos? And so we took one of the bags and we threw some barbecue in it. And I was like, let's try some baked beans. And we threw the blue cheese slaw on. I put this mustard sauce that I make and it turned into an amazing like explosion of, oh my gosh, what a great invention. Like we, we haven't modified the recipe once since we didn't make it the first time. That's awesome. And it turned out perfect. And like my friends that were working on the food truck that day were like, this is amazing. We wouldn't stop eating. We were all like sick that night from eating <laughs> something. But I was like taking everybody like, you got to try this, you got to try that. So we got the crunch of the chips, the pork, the beans, like you get the crunchy, you get the salty, the savory. You got a little bit of sweet, you got a little heat from the sauce, and you got the blue cheese in there to give it like a real, you know, deep. I mean, it's just like the perfect, to me, it's like the perfect dish. Like, that's one that I could eat. I never get tired of eating that one. So, so I was going to actually ask you, I looked at your menu today and I had a hard time picking. And then it was a couple weeks ago I was in and I saw the special and I ended up ordering that. You had a uh, Southern cheesesteak that yeah. was uh, pimento cheese with the chicken. It was it was awesome. Even looking at your regular menu, it's it's hard to choose. What's that one, you know, Big Mike's dish that represents you best? Oh, man. I've made the mistake of getting pretty good at cooking brisket. And uh, locally, we've become known as that place that you go to get brisket. And the, one of the byproducts of making really good brisket is we were able to do the burn-ins. Wednesdays and Saturdays are our burn-in days in Cary. They started that way in Apex. They're getting ready to change to Tuesday, Thursday, I think, in the next week or so. So we'll have burn-ins on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And that's basically like the fattier part of the brisket, which is the point. We actually take that, trim it off whenever we smoke the whole brisket, do it as one. But then we trim that piece off and the byproduct is that is that we, we rub it and smoke it a second time and it just gets like all that fat and beefy flavor. It's basically like bark on all the outside. You get like bark on, you know, two whole sides of every bite. And that to me is like that me when I get barbecue that doesn't have the bark in it. I'm like, I'm not happy because I love that. You get the, the crunchy kind of from the outside of that where it gets all that good, like, you know, dry barbecue thing in it. And that's um to me, that's the one like those are the ones that people like. I mean, we, I just left lunch over there today and it's like, oh, my God, we were slammed because. You know, yesterday we, you know, you could have walked in there and like, you know, you have to whisper because it was so quiet in there for lunch because sometimes <laughs> things slow down a little bit. But right. the, uh, today, like we, you know, we were, I had to make a table outside for people because we were just had that many people waiting. So it was kind of nice to, nice to see that. So that kind of tells you like, I'm not saying it because it's my favorite thing. I'm saying like everybody in town loves those things. So that, and then the number two is the smoked potato salad to go with it. Cause it's my answer to potato salad. Like I don't like cold potato salad recipes yeah. normally. And so we had a lot of people that kept requesting potato salad, potato salad. And I was like, all right, I'll show you potato salad. And so we took the fat from the smoker. Basically, we catch all of the drippings from the smoker and we separate the au jus and the fat overnight in the cooler. Basically, take that fat that's separated, put it into the fryer. Like Carrie, we use the cast iron pan. I actually got a deep fryer in Apex, which is kind of nice. But we actually, that's all animal fat that we cook in there. And it's the pork and the beef and the chicken fat that it gets dripped out of the, the meats. And so it already has that wonderful barbecue flavor. It's already been kind of seasoned with the rub. Mm -hmm. So then we cook the potatoes in that first. And then we flash fry them again the second time to get them crispy. And then we just put Duke's mayo, sour cream, a little bit of our dry rub, and some cheddar cheese. So there's not all, it's a very simple recipe. But it's awesome. But you got to have that, yeah. you got to have that key ingredient. It's having drippings from your smoker is yeah. where you got to cook the potatoes mm -hmm. in. And it's, they're fresh reds. We dice them ourselves and they don't pick up a whole lot of oil. So it's not really. I was saying that about your cardiologist. Not really. It's not that bad for you. It's still. It's one of those like. It's not the most healthy thing we have on the menu, but it's still that. Well, let's be honest. You, you didn't. You didn't open a uh, salad food truck. You know. No. I mean, this is. Uh, you know, this is where you're going to go and you're going to enjoy your meal. Yeah. You know? uh, let's talk about barbecue. Um, we all know about the great North Carolina barbecue divide, uh, and you put on your menu that it's Eastern style barbecue. And my wife's actually from the eastern part of the state too. She's from Wilmington, so I felt like that was a bias I already had 
And then I saw that it looks like your restaurant is actually kind of bridging that divide because I was looking at the sauces and here's your Eastern and then you've got a, a sweet and tangy sauce. What are your preferences? You know, are you bridging that divide? What are your thoughts? To, to not alienate those people from the Western part of the state. Our tomato-based sauce is more like a Memphis, so it's a really sweet sauce okay. versus Western it's, Carolina sauce is a very vinegary based with a lot of pasty yeah, like tomato. tomato right. it's, me, I like a good sweet barbecue sauce and I love the vinegar sauce, but I don't put too much vinegar. We started out and we didn't pick a style and people wouldn't come eat our food because we were, they were like, you, you pick Eastern <laughs> or Western. And kind of like, well, I'm from North Carolina and I love good barbecue, but it never, like the barbecue I had growing up, it was always, you know, a good smoked shoulder. And yeah. then you put a little bit of sauce on it. You don't just drown it in sauce. So the one part I hate about some Eastern Carolina places is they, you know, they put the raw, like we cook our vinegar sauce and we actually make, you know, we cook it yeah. down and get the flavors kind of mingle. A lot of Eastern Carolina places, they just do vinegar out of the jug and they dump right. it on pork. They put red pepper flakes, they put salt and they put yeah. pepper, which is, it's great some places that way. But for me, like when I'm, I try to kind of, hey, can we take that to another level? And that's where I've actually, hey, this is our own take of it. And we, when we chop it, we do put a little bit of vinegar sauce in it, but it's more, it's not so much to make it taste vinegary. It's more to get that salt and a little bit of sugar, a little bit of seasoning into the meat. That's because we do whole shoulders. And so you can't get but so much rub into the inside of it. And so we try to pull a little bit of the outside, a little bit of the inside, but it's just yeah. good, 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 like salty, sweet, a little bit of vinegar flavor in there. That vinegar is a good complement to the pork, but not like it doesn't need to be swimming in it. I can't stand when yeah. people over sauce it. So we have people that come in all the time and they'll accuse our sweet and tangy sauce of being Western Carolina. <laughs> and I don't, I've learned to stop correcting people because they just look at you really funny, but right. I'm like, eh, it's not Western Carolina style. Right. But I mean, I, I really appreciate Lexington barbecue and like how, right. like, how they've like, I mean, that is definitely an institution. Like, I love eating it. Like, me, I just don't prefer it. So, I mean, for right. me, I, there's no bad barbecue in my mind. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll eat barbecue all over the world. It's just a matter of, hey, that's my preference on things. And then you got to pick a style in North Carolina. If we, yeah. I mean, look, we, we saw it was people would just, man, I'm not even going to give it a try because you, you're afraid to say what kind of barbecue it is. Right. And the, the great thing about it is, uh, and I actually even did a little trial today um, and the dish that I had for lunch, I had a big pile of barbecue on my plate and I threw a little bit of that sweet and tangy on part of it. Uh, I threw a little bit of the Eastern vinegar on another part of it. And then some of it, I just left how it was. I mean, you don't even need any sauce. That's incredible what you do with the barbecue. Do you have any tips for the cooks at home or secrets that you'd be willing to divulge when it comes to good barbecue at home? Well, I get a lot of credit for the barbecue being so good, but a lot of it comes to the sourcing. And you said something earlier, like we source local. All our pork comes from local pasture raising farmers, which means they raise them on the ground. Yeah. They never steal a hog house. They actually eat a natural diet. They do supplement them with feeds. It just kind of depends on what time of year and where it's coming from. But most of the pork we're getting now is coming from a farmer that actually, they grow their own corn and soy that they feed the pigs. But the thing with them is they, they actually went in and bought a grain mill as a group of farmers. So there's a co-op around here that actually, they all went in together, got a government grant to buy a grain mill and they mill their own stuff as organic GMO free, but it's not certified because certified feed is so expensive for these farmers. So yeah. it allows me to serve that grade of pork on a barbecue platter versus most of the pork. Like when you go, you know, provincial, which is right down the street from us here. Great restaurant, dropping a lot of them. I love that place. That place is really good. They serve the pork chops off the the same pigs that we use for the barbecue. Nice. And it's typically a higher end piece of meat, but the shoulder's got to go somewhere. Yeah. And you know, high end restaurants don't usually focus on barbecue, so we've got a good thing going with a couple of high end restaurants and us doing the the shoulders and basically do that. And we've we've kind of maxed out you know our guys now, but that that takes a lot of credit. And then good dry heat. So a lot of people cook barbecue. I mean. You know, I didn't start out with a fancy smoker. I mean, I started out with a homemade smoker, but the key to it is using good dry heat. So, if, you know, I always tell people like if you're using gas and you're cooking barbecue, that's where you, a lot of times your byproduct and, you know, cooking with gas, or there's water vapor in that gas. When you have propane or natural gas, there's water vapor in that. It just kind of changes the texture, changes the flavor of the barbecue. 
And I love to just say like, Hey, the smokers we use, it's all, it's all natural wood. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no gas being applied to it and you got to finish it on the, I mean, we finish ours all the way on the smoker. Like we don't wrap them. We don't do any type of fancy injecting. Like we just rub it, smoke it and let it go. And it just comes down to your temp and your time versus, you know, so many people have 18 ingredients. They inject the pork into their rubs or they have eight stages of rub and they, yeah, for me, it's like, yeah, those are all fun if you're doing like one piece for your family, but we had to find a recipe that works in between. And, you know, I'll inject when I'm, you know, if I'm experimenting at home and things like that, but you can't do it on a mass scale. Well, three things that I just noticed just then that embody, you know, the community that we have here in Apex. One, you have a pork barbecue business and you're willing to divulge some secrets for those people <laughs> listening. Another is you're giving a nod to a restaurant right down here uh, in Salem Street. And uh, we're actually going to have Wayne from the Provincial on at some point on this podcast. Um, and then third, you know, you're walking the walk when it comes to locally produced product. And so, you know, those are all things that I, I know are well appreciated around here. Let's talk, Mike, quickly about the uh, the history of barbecue in Apex. I mean, this is something that you've embraced as you've spoken with JC Knowles, who's our Apex historian. We're talking about decades, if not, you know, hundreds of years back. So I met JC Knowles a couple of years ago, whenever we were discussing trying to put at a restaurant in Apex. And um, so somebody asked me to reach out to him and, you know, just ask him about the story of barbecue in Apex. And so the number one question I asked was, I live right off of Apex Barbecue Road. Where's the Apex Barbecue? And he led me in to tell me that there's a uh, there's a big history on how they made barbecue on Apex Barbecue Road. They used to make a lot of moonshine where my neighborhood was built. And the byproduct of moonshine is when they have a fire, they got to use the coals for something. So they would actually take the coals from making the moonshine. They would turn that into a pit for barbecue. And so they would make barbecue out of the leftover coals from the <laughs> from making moonshine so all the people in town knew that they could go get barbecue which meant they could go get their moonshine at the same time too which was not legal right. and so that was something that was funny <laughs> that there's a big history in apex and it's not based on anything that's really you know you don't hear it talked about a whole lot right and so jc and i had talked about at the time that we were going to you know get with the newspaper and we were going to do like a story on barbecue and apex and had kind of had a feature it but between our restaurant launching well just got busy and haven't really thought about revisiting that until I came in here to talk to you today. That's something we really need to get to do. So maybe we can do like a barbecue sponsored story on yeah. the different things around Apex. And so there was, you know, out, out Salem street heading through cause that US one used to be 95 before there was 95. Right. So this is back in that day. And so all the stuff that would travel from New York to Miami, Miami to New York, they were all stopping here halfway and people would meet here. And so this was a, it was a pretty happening town. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of shenanigans going on in a very church. I mean, that's all there were here were churches and, you know, schoolhouses and right. you know, farms. And so it turned into be a pretty wild place, apparently on the, at night and on the weekends. And so that was, um, it'd be nice to kind of revisit those stories and a little bit of have pictures of that stuff and put them all through the restaurant. So what's wild that uh, you've got now, not only NASCAR with a foundation mm -hmm. from moonshine, but now the barbecue as well. That's yep, really interesting. Yep. Now let's talk about the other half of your business. It's brew and Q. So let's talk about the beer. And it's not just any beer. It seems that you spend a good bit of time choosing what's on tap. Talk about that for a minute. Man, well, that all came from when we first started the food truck, the number one place we would go and the best venues we would visit were either craft breweries or craft brew events where there was craft brew all over the place. And so when I started going to these breweries and started tasting all this craft beer, I just fell in love with it. And so, you know, through the years of trying to expand our business, I'm, we had one little stint in the restaurant in downtown Raleigh where we shared the kitchen with them. And then it turned out that us using the kitchen to run our food truck turned into them serving our food on their menu. And I just got to be really in tied with, it was my first experience like being in a restaurant and being behind the scenes. And I realized right then and there, I'm like, wow, I need to be selling, selling beer. Like that's a great list add on to what you're doing, especially when, you know, I really got to know the menu, got to know the different breweries around town at that point that I didn't already know. And so now we pretty much just serve all local craft beer. I mean, I feel bad for the people that don't drink it. 
uh, when they do come in because a lot of people are looking for something domestic but for me like it just kind of goes with our whole buy local support local that's the the beer side of things is easy because it's a great economy already but for buying local like produce and buying local like meat it's exhausting that's the yeah. that's the biggest challenge i have is we had to basically scale our business up to go to a second location that was my number one fear was that i'm not gonna be able to serve the same type of meat in right. two locations and so right now we're trying to get our new food truck built for us to be here for the springtime when the food truck season picks up because we don't have the ability to get any more meat unless we're taking whole hogs and so the new food truck we have coming it's going to be all the barbecue we're going to do is pretty much going to be a whole hog off of that one which will be I mean, that's how I want to do it anyway, but yeah. I just haven't had the capability to do it with the limitations we've had from the size of our business. But I'm excited to have that coming up. But that's the one thing that, you know, if we don't have that food truck in the spring, we're going to have to use some other type of source of barbecue. And I really don't want to do that. I just, that's how we eat at home. It's how we, I mean, it's what I believe is that you got to buy local. Our food system so broken as far as, you know, just looking at on a grand scheme of things for people Sorry. at home, looking at restaurants, like it is so hard to find I me, mean, me, like. The one thing I want to be able to do is buy a cabbage farm because like I can't get local cabbage, but for you know certain times of the year, and that to me is just amazing that you know that's something that you have to bring it from all the way across the country. There's not somewhere closer that I can get cabbage throughout the winter, and that's just a it's just the world we live in. So we got to find a way. We sell a lot of coleslaw, so we got to have that's one ingredient. If anybody wants to start a farm, <laughs> greenhouse greenhouse say. grown uh, cabbage, <laughs> we'll buy it all right now. So that's a uh, that and we're you know LL Urban Farms that's over on uh, Holly Springs Road. We've just changed over to start using their hydroponic lettuce. We do. We only do one burger. It only comes one way. It doesn't come specialized, but we're using the lettuce we use for that. It goes on there, and we're starting brunch. One of the brunch menu items we're going to have is a lettuce wrap using their lettuce, and it's just a it's just a great way to say, hey, here's a good local ingredient that's available year-round. Those guys do have a greenhouse that they produce it year-round. You can get it pretty much any time of year unless they have something that comes up. But um, So that's your breaking news is you, breaking you're, news. you guys are going to start uh, serving brunch. Yeah, Saturdays and Sundays. And again, it comes into buying local. And so for yeah. the pig farmers that we are buying from, they're stockpiling sausage and stockpiling bacon for us because that's one piece of the animal that we don't, the belly and the, the trimmings are the things that, you know, we're taking 30 hogs a week from these guys. We got to be able to start using the rest of the animal. And that's one piece of it that, you know, restaurants like Provincial that are serving the pork chops I'm not really going to ever going to be at a restaurant that's going to be able to serve a $18, $19 plate with pork chops. I don't plan to be that way. You know, if it happens, I'd, be, I'd love to be able to do it just so we could sell more of the animal with the bacon and the sausages, that byproduct of buying yeah. local, we've got to start using it. So we're going to open for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays and Apex first and see how it goes. And then, you Very know, we, cool. we might turn that into carry or we might even do it every day of the week, depending on, you know, how it is because the breakfast menu we've got is amazing. I'd love, I mean, I cook it at home. It's just a matter of, all right, now I'm adding another six hours of my day <laughs> as far as uh, producing food. And that's going to be, you know, we're having to bring in a whole brand new crew and brand new people to train for that early morning shift that's not barbecue related. So it's going to be a changeover about Sundays will probably be a little bit later, about two o'clock. Saturdays will probably change over right at noon to where, you know, you can kind of get a blended menu until the breakfast is gone. Well, there you it's go. Exciting. You you, uh, you heard it here first on the Peak City podcast, or at the very least, you heard it here. Let's talk quickly about your um, uh, collaboration. We actually just had the, the fellas from Southern Peak Brewery on this podcast, and you have partnered with them. Talk about that for a minute. They did a, a chili pepper, but not a spicy chili pepper. Um, I can't remember, can't remember the exact name of the beer, but it was it was is it a kombucha. Awesome. Yeah, it's I don't want to say it. It's not kombucha. That's what I want right. to say. It's kombucha. No, it's, it's, kombucha. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a I think it's a traditional German wheat beer. Right. You know, lighter on the side, a little sweet, has a lot of honey in it. But the peppers they put into it, it just basically I sent my my crew from um, our Apex store over there, and I said, go buy some ingredients from the store, and go take some barbecue, and go drink some beer. Y'all sit around and drink beer. I missed I miss that on that day. I actually had my kids afternoon when they were doing it, <laughs> but they were drinking beer and trying to find the right combination, the right match of brew. And so it turned out great and the customers loved it. So it went really fast, but anything we can do to kind of 
you know, support the local guys like the, I mean, they're, they're awesome. If people haven't been to Southern Peak, you got to get over there and make yeah. them great beer. It's an awesome environment. Like I'm just jealous that it's not in my neighborhood. <laughs> right. Right. That's yeah. right. I'm with Love you on that. that. Um, you talked earlier about future plans when it comes to opening for brunch. Any other new recipes? What, what else are you working on? Oh man, we do. Um, we got a brisket hash. That's just the one. That's the one that, I mean, I eat it every Saturday morning when I'm in there working, I'm making a brisket hash. And a lot of times I don't share it, but we just basically take our, <laughs> take some chunks of brisket. It'll be barbecue hash. It just kind of depends on what, what we have available at the time. So for me, it's a great way that anytime we have a little bit of leftovers, we can turn it into something. It's an amazing dish because me, like I don't serve reheated barbecue. Like our thing is like, we do it fresh every yeah. day. And so we have recipes like our egg rolls that are on our menu i don't know if you had those yet but man those are incredible they're fantastic and yeah. all it is is a way for, like we had to find something to do if we have chicken that gets dried out or pork that's you know we can't reuse it so we had to have a second batch random so we'll do like smoked chicken salad we do all kinds of like specials you see on our menu are usually the you know things that we can just kind of process and do a second use on food because we just try not to waste anything i mean it's perfectly fine to eat most restaurants serve reheated barbecue anyway but for us we we try to stick to the fresh every day it's kind of where our success has been is that we try to chop it per order and try to have that as like our backbone of like, hey, man, we got to smoke it fresh the next day. If we end up with a slow day and got yeah. a lot of leftover barbecue or something goes wrong, we end up having to find some really cool specials. So we've, we've done barbecue enchiladas and do, I mean, just to find like fun things to do, because I mean, cooked down, rendered barbecue turns into great Mexican dishes. Right, <laughs> so it's like right. the barbecue tacos we have on our menu is like that's how it started was I did a taco special because we have a bunch of them left. And so that's something that's neat. But the back to the brunch, the barbecue hash will be pork, maybe, but mostly brisket. And we do just our, you know, fried red potatoes, a little bit of sauteed onions and some peppers to go with that. And then we'll do a, you know, runny fried egg on top is basically, oh my God, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I'm getting hungry talking about it. But that yeah. and the, um, our base is going to be a sweet potato pancake. That'll be something that's probably on the menu all the time. We're going to have different variations. Um, right now we buy our bread from Great Harvest Bakery, which those guys are, yeah. they're in Cary. They live here in Apex. They're actually my neighbors. They're how, how we found the space that's in Cary nice. first. And so Tom and Paige do all our bread for us. And so we're going to basically let them kind of dictate every week, like, all right, if y'all have something that's going to be left over in a mass quantity, that's will be our French toast special for the week. So nice. we already kind of talked with them that like, hey, if you guys have a an, an item that needs to go, then that's what we'll, that'll be our French toast. So when people come in, they know that the French toast is going to kind of rotate. But it's because of a a great thing of like it's darn good bread. Like you want day or two old bread for French toast normally that's anyway because yeah. it holds up better. And so that's like, hey, we're kind of doing a full circle thing, like turning that into something different. But um, French toast, the uh, um, there's nowhere in Apex to get huevos rancheros, so I'm gonna have to have that on the menu sporadically but i think the menu is going to be your basic um we're going to do homemade buttermilk biscuits probably sweet potato biscuits and then we'll have the ll urban farm hydroponic lettuce is like a wrap version for the healthier people and then we'll have a um trying to get a homemade tortilla as well so that way you can do biscuit or tortilla or lettuce wrap with the instead of doing like a traditional breakfast place one sandwich one this we're going to be like hey here's your meats we're going to have local country ham our own sausage our own bacon so that way we can do here's your basic meat that goes into it you can add eggs to it here's the toppings that go off of it so it's gonna be a super simple menu kind of how we stick to one page we're gonna make it even smaller than that for the brunch just so we can be you know really good at what we right. do in a small quantity and that way we can grow off of that but i don't want to have a 17 page book to look for it's gonna be really <laughs> simple but it's still gonna try to focus around hey what's what's going on locally what can we use in the in our breakfast that's going there so i mean local eggs local cheese like you don't see that anywhere around here so we're gonna try to focus it on that tell us uh the location where do we find you in apex where do we find you in Cary, uh, and where will we find your food truck uh, this spring and throughout the summer? Well, it'll be easier to find us after today. I don't know if you can look in the back of my truck. There's a giant crate. We have our sign today. That's nice. like that's exciting. We uh, we're in the old Amedios location. If you're trying to find us before the sun's up, but the um, old Amedios location in Beaver Creek. So it's 2045 Creekside Landing Drive. So we're right across from the Cold Stone Creamy, right near um, the movie theater. 
always drop Tyler's tap room in there. It's like, hey, we're right near Tyler's tap room. Yeah. I'm like, I'm advertising for them. But the uh, <laughs> but um, that's the Apex location. Carrie, we're at High House and Maynard Road. So it's um, 1222 Northwest Maynard Road. And that's right next to Great Harvest Bakery. Um, most people know that as a landmark because that place is like a revolving door of people coming and getting that wonderful bread. And so the food truck will be back out there. You can look at, the, we basically, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook with that advertising locations we go to. Uh, everything's pretty slow right now as far as the mobile food up until once March comes around, it's going to be chaos. We'll be at all the schools. We'll be at all the church events and things around town. Um, but for right now, things are still pretty slow through February. Where do we find you on social media? Big Mike's BBQ NC dot com is the website that's also our twitter handle as well so the big mike's bbq nc you can just google big mike's bbq and our website has great links to the social media sites that, that they're all linked through i'm not i'm a barbecue guy, You're now. A barbecue guy <laughs> i'm like yeah. i'm trying to get a pager and get rid of my cell phone because it just simplify my life but that's one of those go. where yeah we got great people that run those things for us and yeah. so we do, do we do have a newsletter that comes out every week called smoke signals and it talks about news in the barbecue and the beer industry the new beers and specials we have for the week and so it's pretty neat build that's where people can find out like hey here's the we do a picture of our new package beer from every week or new draft list for every week in that way. And we do Sixtals, which is a smaller keg of beer. So all our beer that's on draft, we rotate those almost every, use about every third or fourth day that the tap changes over to a new local brewery. So it's always something different. I mean, we rotate some of the favorites back through, but there's a, it's just really neat that we were able to do that. And you can go come to our restaurant on a Tuesday and the next Tuesday you come back and there's 12 new taps on that are completely different from you ever before. So for me, I like, I like variety. It's nice to taste it. And, these local breweries that keep more and more of this great stuff and you know nothing i haven't seen too much of it dropping off on this yeah. quality level so well he's mike markham founder and owner of big mike's brew and q in beaver creek and apex mark thanks for coming on the show and best of luck with your growing business all right thanks for having me. this is the peak city podcast i'm shane reese you can like us on facebook just search for peak city podcast and follow us on twitter at peak city podcast thanks for listening go get some barbecue at big mike's and we'll see you around town